This week on the Defined Podcast, we speak with Stani Kulichov, founder and CEO of Aave, one of the first leading protocols in the DeFi space. He's been around since the inception of decentralized finance itself, and now Aave Labs is the leading force in this completely new side of the Web3 universe, social media. But before we get into the Lens protocol, let's see what brought Stani into the space. Stani, it's so great to have you on the Defined Podcast. Hey, Camila, nice to be here again. <laughs> yeah, so we were just chatting. Uh, Stani was one of the very first guests uh, on the Defined podcast like about two years ago. So a lot has happened since then. Uh, excited to chat uh, about the latest uh, because, you know, you uh, you started Ave, one of the first lending protocols in DeFi. Um, you've, you've been around basically kind of since the start of like when DeFi was even called that. Uh, but now you uh, are leading this totally different uh, uh, side of Web3, which is social media. And I feel uh, that's uh, such um, a, an important uh, part of Web2 that needs to be disrupted that I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited to hear about uh, how you're going ab about that uh, and approaching it. Uh, but before we get uh, into Lens, um, you know, for, for those uh, podcast guests that uh, haven't been around for two years uh, and, and don't uh, kind of uh, know you, uh, I'd love to just get just like briefly your, your background, what led you to uh, start uh, Ave in the first place. Yeah, surely. So uh, I've been building the the Aave uh, protocol and ecosystem for the past, uh, I would say, uh, five or so years. Um, and and quite early those days, um, Aave is part of this um, movement of, of decentralized finance where uh, we build uh, protocols which allow uh, non-custodial access um, into different kinds of uh, financial applications that have transparency. Um, and that was those different elements were very important to me when I um, came early into the space because what I saw uh, one of the earliest use cases with uh, Bitcoin um, and with the idea of being able to transfer value from one place to another um, without uh, intermediaries in a very transparent uh, fashion that actually excited me to explore even further what what else you can actually build. And when Ethereum came um, in, I think it was like one or two years into the ecosystem when Ethereum already was um, uh, existing. But for me, like the most fascinating thing was that with the uh, Ethereum concept of Ethereum virtual machine, you could actually have full applications running on the blockchain. And because of the nature of the um, history that one of the first use cases was to solve um, by using blockchain solve the transfer of value with Bitcoin. Obviously, one of the exciting things for me was also what other interesting uh, financial application and use cases we could solve with using the blockchain and by being able to deploy applications um, into the um, uh, Ethereum. So that was very early. So we created uh, first proof of concept uh, called ETHLAND, short for Ethereum Lending. Um, and that was probably second or third um, so-called DeFi application um, back in those days. When, when was this, like 2017, uh, 18 time? 
2016, we started to build. Uh, in 2017, we were uh, in mainnet. And that was before any stable points were on Ethereum network. So it was super early uh, days. But for me, that was uh, fascinating because DeFi started to build as an ecosystem. So we saw more other kind of applications. We saw Uniswap coming um, more with the pooled liquidity model and um, many of the other primitives inspired us to build um, the Aave protocol, which is now um, securing roughly from 7 to 15 billion worth of value uh, on the smart contracts across uh, multiple networks. So the protocol itself is deployed on Ethereum, uh, on Polygon, um, Avalanche, and also Layer 2's uh, Arbitrum and um, Optimism. And those who don't know um, the way the other protocol works is that you can supply cryptographic assets into the protocol, earn interest, and use those assets as a collateral um, to finance another opportunity, pay your tuition, your mortgage, or uh, buying a car or some other um, investment opportunity. And the other team can't go and actually change arbitrary how the protocol works. So there is a formalized governance process, meaning that it's governed by the Aave DAO. So the Aave committee members have to come together and vote um, about how the protocol will be changed in the future. So from from there, you know, from building one of the biggest lending protocols on, on Ethereum and DeFi, um, you know, and it, Aave has seen just, you know, amazing uh, growth so so far since 2017 um i think it's kind of holding the 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 most uh, value locked in in any lender outside of a uh, maker so you know it's really consolidated its place as one of the the top kind of leading um lending protocols in the space so you know, you have a lot going on there. Like you're, um, you you have even your own stablecoin. Uh, obviously, kind of running the the Ave DAO, like all this stuff related to like lending and money markets. Um, so, why go into lens? Like it it seems, you know, uh, just su such a a whole kind of different area. Where did that uh, idea come from? And if you can talk a, a bit about kind of the the genesis of this, like when did you start thinking about this? Like how did it start to formalize into this actual kind of decentralized social media protocol? Yeah, I mean, the way we've seen the whole Web3 ecosystem to for, uh, forming was from financial applications, mainly because um, I don't think like finance is the, the most easiest uh, things to build on chain. And in fact, I think it's the most hardest but also those applications that are working very well uh, on chain, such as the Aave protocol, are uh, extremely good examples of how valuable uh, the blockchain infrastructure is for uh, what we're building and how much transparency it's bringing to the um, financial ecosystem. But when actually, um, in my opinion, like the blockchain technology can be used in other uh, categories, and we've seen recently with the um, uh, NFT uh, ecosystem that it allows creators to go directly to their own communities and have that relationship with their fan bases and create their own collections and um, value their social capital uh, within that uh, community. But um, so for me, like there was 
um, always this idea of um, blockchain can be used beyond uh, financial transactions. And there's a lot of value you can actually store and uh, reflect on chain. Um, and there's interesting use cases. But actually, for me personally, I started building um, social applications before I was building financial applications. So the way I started to learn uh, programming is by building web applications. And that was the time when, for example, um, very early on, Twitter uh, was um, one of the first applications that started to, to grow in the community where I was participating, which was the Ruby and Rails community. So that was the framework that was used to build Twitter. Um, and at the same time, that was the revolution or evolution of the Web2 um, social and Web2 internet, where internet became not only a place where um, you self-host a web page um, or host it through a, um, a cloud provider, but actually you have these platforms where you can go and actually uh, create content and interact with uh, other peers uh, across globally. That, that was when Reddit was um, getting more traction, traction and, and dig as well. And the whole kind of like a more what we know today as Web2 social uh, space. And for me, uh, the exciting thing was that uh, first time ever, you don't need to be necessarily a uh, developer or host a homepage and you can actually produce content and you can, you can be a creator on the internet. You can create even shops, e-commerce, and it was a very empowering movement. And I still think Web2 um, and Web2 Social has been uh, uh, has been a big contributor um, in empowerment of, of uh, uh, people and, and democratizing access to information um, and also access to different kinds of goods and services as well and creating opportunities for people. What we're doing with Web3 and the Lens Protocol is uh, essentially uh, taking a step further where we're seeing that um, we created this amazing uh, infrastructure, but at the same time, we created in a way where we created a lot of big platforms uh, that are actually, um, we're creating all the data and all the user interactions and we're providing uh, content, but essentially we are providing a lot of data for the platforms that are then uh, used to understand what we might like and what we are want to give our attentions to and what we will be interested in buying. So the users became a, more of a product. So with decentralized finance and seeing how you could actually create a lot of um, uh, accessibility and remove this trust between uh, centralized uh, parties, you can actually strengthen the ownership of the users. And that's where the whole idea of Web3 is, where you create user-owned networks, but you bring the power back to the users. And that's what Lens Protocol essentially um, is uh, trying to solve. Got it. Um, yeah, the, the the promise of this um, Web three social media landscape, where users are owners of their own information and data, uh, I think is something that's very inspiring for you know most of us uh, in in this space. Um, but okay, to to just clarify the the link with with Ave, these are two completely separate projects, or is there a way that Ave and Lens uh, work together? They're separate projects. So the way we work in the the Aave team actually is that we have a separate Aave pod, which is focusing on 
contributing into the Aave ecosystem. And the Aave ecosystem is in a good shape in the sense that um, there is multiple contributors that are uh, building and developing um, the protocol further. And we're one of those contributors. And the DAO itself is uh, self-sustainable, so it's earning income from the um, uh, protocol activity and using that income to um, essentially reward those contributors uh, across the space and also give uh, additional grants. And then we have a separate team um, that is working directly on the uh, Lens protocol, but we share resources in the sense that we have this incredible know-how of years of uh, building smart contract-based protocols, and that's very valuable um, uh, for us. So there's a a slight uh, separation, uh, but at the same time, uh, we're all kind of like a part of a bigger family. Got it. So when when you say we, you're talking about Ave Company, like the development company behind Ave and now also behind Lens. Yeah, exactly. The software uh, company. Got it. So it, it, it's interesting that you're saying that Ave has reached a point now, like the Ave DAO has reached a point that it's self-sustaining, that it's you know getting revenue from its own on, on-chain activity, paying contributors that way. And so now you can allocate some of the resources of Ave company to produce this other protocol that's kind of a, the social media protocol, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's kind of like a part of the bigger idea that there's... Um, a lot more space to actually uh, innovate. So our core idea within Aave has been that we want to um, innovate and we're not only looking to categories like, for example, how we could innovate in decentralized finance, but we are always looking into actual the output. So for example, like what kind of um, impact we can create if we build a new protocol, um, what kind of uh, impact we can create in decentralized finance uh, or how we can empower users when they have their own social graph and their own on-chain profile uh, and change the ownership and the the dynamics, how we interact with the um, the social media uh, today. And that's kind of like what is the uh, most valuable for our team when we think about what kind of things we can build. In the last 10 years, over $100 billion worth of crypto has been lost or stolen specifically because of poor key management, scams, and hackers. My new sponsor, ZenGo Crypto Wallet, wants to change the game entirely by creating a crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability. ZenGo aims to be the most secure Web3 wallet and the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs, and assets secure. After all, with no private key to steal, your crypto assets and NFTs are much more difficult to hack. Get started at zenco.com slash defiant and use code defiant to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's C-E-N-G-O dot com slash defiant. Terms and conditions apply, so check out their site for details. Lens is seen to be one of the first user-owned social media platforms. But for users themselves coming in for the first time, what does that look like? Will it echo models of Facebook and Twitter in the Web2 space? Or will it be something entirely new? Okay, so now getting deeper into Lens um, and how it works, because, you know, I I get kind of why uh, you started it. I I get kind of the the motivation of this uh, user-owned social media uh, platform. But 
you know, for people just like coming this uh, for the first coming to this idea for the first time, like how does it actually work? Is it like um, Facebook and Twitter where you create an account and you have a profile and you post stuff online and have followers or uh, is it is it something else? Is it kind of instead of a, a profile, you have a wallet? If you just kind of can break down the, the details on just like in practice, what does this actually mean? Yeah, in practice, it it really um, resembles the uh, mechanisms that we know today in social media. So effectively, um, the way it works is that as a user, you create a uh, profile, um, and that profile is a um, tokenized as an NFT. So you can effectively store it in your wallet, or you can transfer it to um, say somewhere uh, safer and, and delegate the power to post from somewhere. Um, else. And once you create your profile, you can start publishing. Uh, that means that you can publish um, any type of um, content on a protocol level. So you can publish uh, videos, um, um, audio, uh, text, or any other supported uh, file formats. And uh, then you can also follow different profiles that are already existing in the uh, Lens protocol. One thing to uh, note is that um, the protocol is created for uh, for applications. So essentially, the applications can choose how they want to store the data or reflect the data storage. So for example, the data can be reflected into um, IPFS uh, on chain or something like RV, uh, or you can even use still something like cloud or self-hosted data. So as a protocol, it's very flexible on how you as a developer or a social media application builder, you want to use it. But regardless, that th those features are also available for the end user um, as well. So, okay, so Lens is uh, right now um, a protocol, so like a set of uh, rules and kind of standards for publishing uh, so that users can one, create a profile that's minted as an NFT and allow those profiles that, you know, the users behind those profiles to uh, post uh, different kinds of information, uh, you know, can be video, text, uh, audio, whatever, right? In like different kinds of files. Um, and then separately, that same protocol allows uh, because it's, you know, open source, uh, so anyone can build on top of it. And so developers can then uh, build different applications on that protocol. And does that mean that Lens users who are, you know, posting their content, um, are they automatically kind of, are, are, can they automatically just be a part of all of the applications that are being built on on the Lens protocol just because they have a, a, a profile on Lens? Is that how it works? Yeah, it's it's uh, they can be part of all the applications. So one of the key ideas about the um, the Lens profiles is that you need to only create once um, your profile, and essentially, uh, if there's an application built on top of the pro uh, protocol. Uh, you can go to the new application um, 
and effectively you don't need to create a new profile. So you have this um, kind of like a um, uh, composability between different applications. Well, I would say more of a portability, but also um, a new application can actually choose as well, let's say that what kind of content they want to show uh, to the user. So the, the benefit of having a common social graph is that you have all this information uh, available. It's more easier for the user to actually um, uh, switch between different applications. Uh, but at the same time, it means that those applications, they need to also curate their experience for the users. So for example, if you're creating a uh, an application that is focusing on video, you might want to only pull some of the some of the content from other video applications um, that are actually the same nature of and aligned to the same vision that you might be building. The benefit here is that every single application that is um, onboarding users, they will the other rest of the applications are benefiting from that. So they're effectively building the social graph um, together. How how do uh, applications benefit from from each other? Can you go into that point? The way they can benefit is that um, each of the different applications they might have um, their own kind of a focus point or uh, user experience. So the focus might be, for example, in certain type of a content type um, or specifically certain type of a, uh, interest uh, graph, for example. So let's say we have a an application that might have an interest graph of a particular sport and some other one might have another sport and maybe someone builds another application that is picking all the uh, content from uh, sports in general. That's just like a simple uh, example. But also the, the way it works is that when you build something on top of the lens protocol, you can submit metadata where there is the um, application ID uh, there's also the focus, which type of content uh, the application is focusing upon, uh, the content itself, uh, meta tags, and effectively this creates um, a bigger data graph that those applications can use. But also, uh, besides the applications, um, there is also a middle layer. So, for example, um, there is a Lens API that is indexing all the data uh, from the Lens protocol, the, the decentralized social graph, um, and that API is servicing then for the applications uh, what kind of data they want to actually pull from the whole um, graph. And the idea is that that Lens API is going to be more decentralized in the future as a node network, so anyone can actually run their own node or take, it, take the data from a service provider, and it opens up doors to create different kinds of algorithms as well. So just a practical example is that when you use Twitter, uh, you pretty much have to um, use the experience they provide and the algorithms they're providing. So you don't, as a user, you don't have any choice. But for example, in the future and with Lens Protocol, you can actually choose your um, algorithm. You can choose your application that is fitting the, um, the, the content and the need you have, but also on the algorithm level. So it creates more... Um, flexibility and freedom for the user as well. That's so interesting. So, okay, to, to bring it kind of back to kind of a Web2 sort of analogy, it would be as if, um, say, um, 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, if they were all building on top of the same protocol layer kind of infrastructure, then uh, anyone with um, a, an account on, on in that protocol uh, would immediately be able to take all their their uh, their data that that they've ever posted on each one of those uh, different applications kind of depending for whatever data the those applications uh, filter but for example um, okay so uh, early on like I used Facebook a lot a lot more than now like now I don't ever go on Facebook but there's like this whole history of like I don't know like my college pictures or, well, maybe I don't even want to see that, but you know, <laughs> but there's like this whole history of like Facebook posts that I just like don't see anymore. Um, maybe I could like port all that information to Twitter if I wanted to, right? If, if that's kind of the, the, the social media network that I use more, more often now, I wouldn't have to lose the information on kind of the other applications that I'm not using because all that information is just shared across the, the base protocol. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, so essentially like the, the way the internet is built, for example, today is that we, we have a lot of protocols that we are using um, to, to, to have this uh, portability in terms of like connectivity. But it, when it comes to the application layer and we look at Facebooks and, and Twitters, um, the platforms itself, they don't have portability because one of their competitive modes is that they're able to create the network effect within that platform and lock the users. So if Twitter changes, if you love Twitter today, but it changes uh, their policies, um, they maybe change uh, the user experience uh, or the algorithms in a way that you might not enjoy the application anymore. Um, maybe you're also a creator who you post a lot of content and you get traffic to your, um, let's say, homepage. Uh, you you can't actually take your audience out of there, so you don't you can't do a digital exit out of the. Um, platform and that's how it's built so they can grow and grow the network effect they have and um, use it for their um, advantage but then um, when we look into lens uh, effectively we're bringing the portability to that um, profile layer so that you create the profile once uh, but then you can actually flag uh, what data you want to have let's say in um, let's say in one application, like let's say uh, a Facebook and what do you want to have uh, in, let's say Twitter. So there's ability on that middle layer level to flag, for example, whether you want to show everything you have, or let's say whether you actually want to uh, just have things that you want to talk about your work in one application, things you want to talk with your friends in another one. And that's like the key difference here is that uh, the protocol is very flexible how you use it. So it, the idea is that we build it in a way where we are very unopinionated. So effectively, you can choose either store the reflected data to um, on-chain or IPFS uh, or store it uh, privately. So you could effectively create a more uh, private uh, application or uh, more public, depending on the use case. And also on the um, version two of the um, protocol that we are working now, 
currently you when you create a protocol you you choose a handle uh, but in the future you can mint a profile in a permissionless fashion and you can use a canonical um, uh, namespace that already exists or you can use your ENS or if you are a application builder you're building something new and you want to create a completely new namespace uh, you can also do that so effectively in one way it creates the data portability, data liquidity, but also it creates the ability to have that um, flexibility on what data you want to have in which uh, platform. Got it. Super interesting. Um, okay, so if you have this ability to uh, port your, your data anywhere, and like you said, the reason uh, why you can't do that in Web2 is because uh, there's these walled gardens that allow uh, applications to grow their uh, their moat, their kind of market uh, size. So, what's the you know how how does the economics uh, work for for applications on on lens? Like how how do they monetize? Uh, how how do they build their kind of network effects if anyone can just like very easily leave and, and take their their profiles and information elsewhere. Yeah, I think the, the ability to leave is is actually good for from the user perspective um, and also for those um, applications that are just starting and they, they effectively need um, traction. For the user, it means that first time ever, the algorithms and applications, they have to actually work for you and provide value for you. And the way I see the uh, monetization aspect uh, is that when you create these different applications, obviously it depends on, on the use, use case um, itself. There's a couple of monetization um, tools built into the protocol itself because whatever content you post within the Lens protocol, so um, let's say if it's um, content of... Um, audio, video, um, or even just basic text, uh, you can actually, as a user, collect those uh, content as NFTs. So I, I, as a creator, I can actually say that that my particular post might be free to collect. So anyone can come and collect it for free. Maybe you can only collect it for 24 hours, but also I can set fees to collect. So for example, I can say that um, you can collect this post if you pay... Um, $2, uh, for example, or let's say uh, 5 USDC or uh, 10 Matic uh, or even more, or you can create an auction-based systems. Um, so effectively, the, um, there's a concept of having user-generated uh, content as an asset class. And it's kind of like a similar model what we have in the NFT ecosystem now. We're buying these various... NFT collections because we want to be part of the community and we want to be part of supporting the community and the creator itself. So it's taking that as a concept and expanding into um, social. And then obviously, if you have a big audience, you can also um, amplify the content that you see across the social um, network and amplify to your own audience with so-called mirroring. And you can get mirror fees that the creators are splitting from the uh, collect fees. So those things you can actually on the front end level uh, share with the uh, protocol itself. And it's not the first time when actually front ends are 
monetizing with protocols. Uh, OpenSea is a good example where um, they, they're using uh, protocols behind the scenes. And because they have this activity on the front end, that's where a lot of, of the monetization uh, happens. But also I believe that there's going to be opportunities to monetize also for the algorithm creators, but also users are willing to pay um, for uh, actually getting better experience and using applications that they really love and are not just there because their whole audience is, is stuck in that one platform. Hmm. Okay, so is, is the idea that um, you're seeing a, a future where uh, you are you are you're you're paying for uh, for content in uh, social media. Uh, so say kind of I, I follow some um, influencer on Instagram. Uh, in this kind of Web3 world, I would be paying kind of I would be paying them some small fee in order to f follow them, to kind of reward them for their content creation. And then the application, I guess, would take a fee off of off of those transactions. Is that is that how it would work? Yeah, so you can, a good example is that if you have a um, music uh, creation application where you see uh, music creators effectively uh, creating content related to music, it can be actual uh, songs, albums, or just even uh, something related to the music like text or background information. All that can actually be collected as NFTs uh, and part of those fees can go to the application um, uh, part of, let's say, protocol treasury and most of them uh, for the creators. And the, 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 the amazing part is that the creator is the one who is setting the fees and there is a competition between uh, the applications, so they need to uh, provide um, value as well. And I, I, I like to think of it as the same way as like, I think it's the best way to monetize dig digital um, goods uh, because, for example, if you hear music today on radio, obviously someone is paying for that, but it's not actually people are paying it. for the artist, the hearing, let's say music in a radio or um, watching, for example, a movie, that's more of a distribution. Um, and it's more of like a monetization model we have created uh, in the past, but here you can actually have a verified NFT of a content that is created by a particular uh, creator itself. And, and using that as a monetization tool. But obviously you can add more towards that. Those are just base monetization models we have added into the protocol and you can actually add more. And the protocol itself is uh, very module-wise. So you can add the example, the example that you gave where you pay to follow for someone, you subscribe, so you can add pay to follow module. Um, you can redirect, you can create a module where you could redirect your DeFi yield uh, to particular creators. That can be done. So the beauty is here that the smart contract exists on chain, the protocol. So you can create on chain composability and use DeFi and everything else that is built um, on top of the um, same uh, network. But you can choose also not to use and have some of the functions off chain as well. Accelerate your Web3 journey with Apex Pro. Apex Pro is leading participants with diverse backgrounds and knowledge to a new era of Web3 social trading. 
Access perpetual contract trades with up to 20x leverage on popular USDC collateralized trading pairs on a powerful trading engine. Scale to accelerate trades and increase usability while preserving your privacy and security. Grow and manage your wealth fairly and transparently with Apex Pro. To swap crypto, a user has to choose among hundreds of DEXs on multiple networks, all offering different rates and fees. Do you want to avoid that hassle? Swap on OneInch, a DEX aggregator built to get you better rates than any single DEX. Enjoy unlimited liquidity across multiple networks and top-level security. Get OneInch on your phone now or swap on OneInch.io. In Web3, Lens would aim to give power back to users, such as influencers, to be paid directly from their audiences for the content they create. But is there a potential for users to be priced out of that content behind a token-gated paywall? The norm in Web2 is free-to-view content. Are added incentives of decentralization and data control enough of a carrot to justify the added price? Is there more to it? Do you think that, you know, a future that social media is is being monetized and there's kind of a price on, on uh, content, uh, what's, is, is there a risk that this will just exclude uh, a big portion of the population that, you know, just doesn't have the available uh, resources and, and income to be paying for this type of content? You know, maybe somebody, um, and I, and I, Honestly, like I imagine this is a, 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 a huge portion of the population. They would rather, you know, give their information to, to Facebook and Instagram in order to use it for free uh, than own your information and, 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 and pay if it, if, you know, if it means kind of using these services for free. Um, it seems like, you know, a lot of people just value this over, over uh, privacy and decentralization uh, at the moment. So what do you think about kind of, you know, just like this huge part of the population that just wants to use this stuff for free? Yeah, I mean, most of the uh, content uh, that is created for collection on Lens Protocol is actually free. It's just a small percentage that is um, set to, to, for pay to collect. I personally want to see, I'm a big believer of the free NFTs and, and also charging for the content. They both have exciting use cases and you can, as a creator, use both of them. Um, the uh, cool part here is that you can collect those NFTs and some of them might become um, culturally relevant or valuable for that community at a later stage. So you have that financialization part as well. So in, in one way, um, it's not only about kind of like a, being able to collect what is what is um, paid, but actually you contribute to the ecosystem um, the way you might see fit. So for someone, it might be um, buying those and collecting, sorry, collecting those uh, free NFTs. But for example, what the protocol itself aims to do from the impact perspective is actually unlock your social capital and ensure that you have the ownership for what you create and and the ownership between your audience. So let's say that um, you might not create a lot of content, but you have a lot of following. Um, and if you see some interesting content, you can reflect that to your audience and earn as a curator as well. And curators are kind of like um, a creator class within the, um, 
not just in social uh, landscape, but in general, which are undervalued. So we create um, a lot of uh, Spotify playlists, for example. We might create who to follow lists, and we're not rewarded as the users. Um, So that user base is something that we're elevating as well uh, within the protocol. But I think I, I, I do believe there's a lot of value in the free NFTs, but also value that you can create your own community and your own follower network. And that's the value you actually have. And maybe someone from another network might be interesting, interested in what you're creating um, on, on the, on the uh, uh, protocol level. Okay, so, so you're saying that um, not all content uh, will be uh, will have a price and will need a subscription or, or will have to be uh, paid for. And, and maybe the way that applications monetize is through kind of the fraction of the content that's in that application that, that is that that does have a price. But you know, maybe, um, the large majority of uh, of content that's created and of of users aren't actually you know having to pay for that. Is is that right? It's like yeah, exactly. And there is also uh, when you look at how the Web two social media works today, uh, effectively the users, as you said, they are giving their data. Uh, they're constantly training uh, machine learning algorithms to know exactly better what they might like, what is relevant for them. Um, and effectively, uh, they're selling their attention, um, and also they're selling their, their uh, uh, buying power, purchasing power at the same time. So all that ad revenue that, let's say, Facebook and, and Twitter is getting, it comes from the pockets of the users itself. So there, there are, of course, user bases that are uh, paying most of the um, for most of the the, the uh, monetization with the Web two social landscape, uh, but most of the users obviously might not be consuming anything that is advertised to them. And I think it's just very important to create um, better models of monetization than advertisements. There are a lot of, there's a lot of issues for them. I don't see like advertisements necessarily dying completely. Like there's a way where you can amplify content that is relevant for your audience um, and do collaborations from greater to greater perspective. Uh, but the way it's done today in mass advertisement with Web2 Web Social, it leaves um, not pretty much no choice for the users than actually consume those or see those uh, ads unless they pay some sort of a premium feature. And I think opening up the doors where saying that you, you don't have to be locked in a platform and you can actually have portability and now algos and applications they need to focus on what's valuable for you they have to compete on your actual uh value i think that will change the game completely yeah um and so do you do you think that um there's also the opportunity for users to be paid directly uh for their data uh by the applications they're they're using so it's like a, a more kind of voluntary way of kind of sharing uh, your information, kind of you're, you're consenting to it uh, you're, because you're, you're, you're getting paid or, or because you are, um, you know, getting something uh, in return. Is, is that something that's kind of a part of this plan? I think what's valuable is to use your Web3 footprint 
because in one way that's your social capital as well and based on your web three footprint to effectively uh use it in a way where you can actually reward certain kind of uh, uh, behavior or create accessibility uh, for example so and you can do it you can do for example um, opening up some interesting features for the users but in the lens protocol um, you can do a lot of that on a follower basis so for example I can create uh, content um, and only let's say my follower token IDs one to 100 can access that content and reveal it. That's something that can be done or they can actually uh, access to a content that has a redeemable part that is, uh, for example, physical. So you can expand towards that ecosystem. So what NFTs and smart contracts are good at doing is verifying data, essentially, that something happened in the previous um, block or previous time and, and using that uh, for unlocking future uh, value. And I think the, the, the biggest challenge that I have seen with many of the, um, especially with the NFT ecosystem, but in, in, in more of a tree space, is that we create a lot of value amongst ourselves. So we can verify who participated in the Aave governance, who, um, who basically minted an NFT uh, two weeks ago of a particular NFT project. But there's a lot of people coming into the space um, that don't have that actually social footprint, and that creates uh, a bit of inequality in the social capital we, ha we have. Because the way the Web3 ecosystem works, it currently doesn't recognize the off-chain social capital that you have generated on Instagram or elsewhere. And I think this is where where a lot of value comes in actually being able to bring that capital through oracles or other ways and actually ensure that the newcomers that are coming into the space, they feel that there is uh, actually uh, equality in, in that sense, that what they have achieved previously could be valuable in, in Web3 as well. Um, but how, how would that work? Like, would they be able to uh, use their, their, their Web2 content on, on Lens? Or how, how would they kind of increase their social capital as a newcomer? So the way the, the, the protocol is built is that um, it's very agnostic what kind of algorithms you can actually create and use them on the from the middleware for this application that has been uh, built. So you can uh, create an application that uses, let's say, your Web3 footprint, but also it could use something that is uh, off-chain. So you can connect your Twitter, get your um, some of the Twitter data and, and create um, value out of that if you want to do that. So that is happen that, that, that is possible on the uh, middleware layer. And it's more of a, like an opportunity for data engineers to come and actually find different ways of uh, using the off-chain data in the uh, social graph uh, as well. Uh, some like simple example, I've seen uh, someone build in um, Hackathon a... Um, kind of like a migrator where you can migrate like all your uh, Twitter content into um, the Lens protocol. It's a like very simple example, but I believe more in just having some significant data points that are valuable to you and you can port them on chain um, that might be um, helpful for you to establish your 
social uh, presence on chain. That's so interesting. Do you see um, a future where this social profile would be ported onto DeFi applications? It could be uh, fascinating. I mean, some of these profiles that uh, are going to get more and more traction uh, and they might have ongoing revenue for the NFT collections, uh, maybe it could be an interesting way of using as working capital finance through DeFi um, and financing the growth because a profile can be your personal profile, but it can also be uh, a brand that you created and are representing. But also that data could effectively be used as something like a uh, social score, a reputation score that could be used in decentralized finance uh, and have uh, maybe even those uh, under collateral loans that uh, everyone has been talking for the past uh, ages. On, on DeFi. <laughs> mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, so your social score achieved on Lens could potentially allow you to get an under, -collateral under collateralized loan on Aave. Exactly. And there's actually, because the protocol is modulized, so you can build various different uh, collect modules. Uh, we have a few community builders that are doing that. There is one specific module that actually um, takes all the revenue that you get from the collects and is essentially depositing to the other protocol so you can earn more uh, as a creator. So this is the beauty of how we designed um, our, our architecture. So we rely upon the smart contracts to have this verification and programmability um, uh, between these modules, but also everything that exists on chain. But then it's up to users and applications to actually decide how the content is uh, reflected. You want to use off-chain, um, decentralized fire storages. So it's kind of like an interesting approach that we have taken because we're uh, firm believers that um, using smart contract-based logic is interesting. And, and the, the Web3 social footprint that you have is, is valuable for your uh, social graph. In the roller coaster that's crypto right now, traders are looking for ways to smooth the bumpy ride. Pods Yield wants to help with just that. Pods Staked ETH Volatility Vault is designed to earn more both when ETH price goes up and when ETH price goes down. It's not a matter of if, but when the price will move. Pods uses volatility in holders' favor and makes more ETH whenever the price bounces. Find out more on pods.finance. We've talked about how users can monetize these platforms, but what about the Lens Protocol and Aave? What's the business model for them moving forward? Also, how populated is Lens right now? And is a token on the horizon? Yeah, our, our, over the years, our business model has been pretty much um, building protocol infrastructure um, and, and being part of the contribu contributors whatever we, we, we build and give to the um, uh, community ownership. With the Lens Protocol, I think it will follow uh, most likely the similar path that maybe at some point the protocol goes to a user ownership. Um, it already has decent traction. So the, we launched the mainnet two months ago and there's over 63,000 uh, profiles minted on Lens. Um, and actually, as of today, we have over 1 uh, million 
follow NFTs minted. So whenever you follow someone, so Camilla, when I follow you, I mint a Camilla follow NFT and whatever you are posting, that latest post is reflected in the follow NFT if I go to OpenSea or wallet. So it creates this kind of like a protocol level um, uh, communication uh, channel with your audience. And we have over three and a half, three and a half, three fifty three hundred fifty NFTs collected as well, which has brought roughly two hundred thousand worth of revenue directly for the users. So every single profile uh, on average is earning three and a half dollars uh, in the uh, Lens protocol, which is quite cool because it goes directly to the um, users. Some go to the users that are mirroring the content for their own audiences. And the protocol itself, it has a fee collection uh, built in, but it's set to zero. So that's something that the community can, at some point, um, activate if they have community grants that they want to pay. Um, and also, you can, as a core, like as a developer, you can actually contribute to the core um, smart contract base and and build um, additional monetization tools um, and other. Modules. So the protocol is completely open source. Um, anyone can actually use it on their own uh, purpose. Wow, that's that's so interesting. Okay, so sixty three thousand uh, lens profiles, uh, a, a million follows. So okay, like a million people are are following each other. Uh, you said three hundred and fifty thousand uh, NFTs. So are those just like pieces of content that has have been minted as NFTs? Yeah, so it might be essential. It might be a meme. Uh, it might be, for example, a video. Um, for example, you can post your podcasts into the um, Lens protocol, and your fans can collect. Um, and even like you can charge for the collection, and maybe um, that that's kind of like a uh, uh, equivalent to to tipping. So those NFTs are essentially they can be any. Um, um, content and it's actually quite fascinating how how the meme culture could be empowered because we've seen retroactively memes being uh, bought afterwards. So we saw with the Dodge meme and we saw with the Nyan Cat meme that basically those NFTs were auctioned later in time, like 10, 15 years after the creation. But here you can create a uh, a meme that can go viral and have collect fees and uh, you might earn revenue and then someone else might actually even sell that meme later. And, uh, and again, and you have this um, economical um, feedback loops, which is interesting. And that creates generous value to that particular content. So the same way as, um, I think this is very fascinating maybe for you from uh, a writing perspective, because you're a writer, effectively we've seen a lot of um, digital art being um, collected as NFTs, but I see a lot of value in um, collecting content itself and especially driven content. And the fact that um, something like uh, real content, like the constitution was uh, being bid between like 40 to 50 million US dollars, having something in digital form uh, could be equally as valuable because it's the idea behind of it and the history that goes into that uh, piece of content that uh, creates that social capital and, and, and social uh, value. And that's, I think, is the future. Very cool. So I, I can 
Uh, I could post uh, the Infinite Machine as an NFT on, on Lens and maybe people could bid on it. Yeah, exactly. I hope you do. <laughs> nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. And, and you said uh, 200,000 in, uh, is that dollars in, in kind of fees have been created? Yeah, in roughly two months. Uh, and it's still beta. So this is very fascinating. So the protocol isn't yet permissionless. That's the version two that we are working on. Um, so the way you are able to access the protocol is effectively that um, we have been whitelisting different communities, um, Boys Club, Developer DAO, if you hold a particular NFT, like a Crypto Coven um, and, and Poly NFT and a bunch of other impactful uh, projects across the Web3 ecosystem. We whitelisted the addresses to come and actually claim their Lens profile. And we are effectively using the on-chain data um, to create the uh, early user group within the Lens, pro Lens protocol and see how they are um, interacting. But our like more longer vision is actually not just empower the, um, the, the people who are already in the Web3 space, but also the newcomers. So we're putting a lot of effort into making it very easy to interact with Lens protocol. Um, so in the middleware with the Lens API, we created also a dispatcher. Uh, and dispatcher effectively is um, a relayer where you, which pays the uh, gas costs. So the transactions are gasless. Uh, and a few days ago, we hit 2 million gasless transactions. Um, and top of that, uh, it allows you to delegate signing to that dispatcher. So you don't need to sign for MetaMask um, transactions, which means that you're interacting with some of these applications like the community built Lenser and LensTube and the Orb and, and whatnot uh, in a way where you would interact with any um, Web2 social media application. So as if it's normal application and the blockchain logic happens in the backend. And this brings us closer to the experience that we have in normal application that we are used to without seeing MetaMask pop-ups. Next step is actually bringing further for into mobile and, and then make it even easier for users to generate their uh, Ethereum address and have this kind of like a low transactioning um, account that they use to interact um, with the Lens protocol through those different applications. So we're focusing quite a lot on actually pushing uh, the whole like um, Web3 ecosystem closer to the uh, mainstream because we believe that the mainstream will not come by buying um, something like um, Ethereum or uh, Matic. They actually will come by interacting with the blockchain with non-financial transactions. And some later users will become active or um, passive um, DeFi users. So I think that's where a lot of value comes and that helps the narrative of blockchain that it's not only for finance, there's actually a lot of doors that it's opening and magnificent use cases that are empowering um, our communities. So fascinating. So um, this, this dispatcher, is it kind of like, um, just like a, an automation, like a, a robot that's signing transactions and paying for transactions, like working on the background? And if so, like, where where is that money actually coming from? Like, who is actually paying for for these transactions? Currently, it's uh, it's paid by the um, uh, with the Polygon grant that um, we have received, and effectively, um, there's not much of um, 
the, the, the gas flows isn't that big of an issue in the network this size. But over time, obviously, um, if the Lens protocol becomes widely adopted, then the solution is actually moved to transactioning into uh, a layer two, where we can scale in a way that the more we have users, the more um, uh, cheaper the transactioning will uh, occur. But for now, the, the Polygon ecosystem has been uh, quite nice because there's already a proof of stake. The block times are faster. Um, but in the future, I think layer two is, is the way to uh, scale and reduce transaction costs as well. Makes sense. Um, you've been talking about making lands uh, permissionless and, and kind of uh, user-owned. Uh, that you know obviously kind of sparks the um, the idea of a of a token. Is that kind of a plant uh, down the line? I mean, we've been focusing quite a lot on the the, the product itself and 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 how it works and 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 making sure that Lens Protocol actually is is a utility and, and usable for um, our ecosystem and actually can can. Be beneficial for the users. I mean, so far the data looks uh, incredible. Uh, we had had a lot of good feedback, and we learned a lot during the past um, months. We've been building protocol obviously uh, way more longer, um, roughly a uh, year and a half. But at the same time, during the past recent months, where we had more hackathons, more developers building uh, on top, we actually learned how to improve the protocol. So I think our now our main focus is the. Um, Lens Protocol version two, uh, and that's that's going to be like uh, most of the work and and heavy lifting uh, going towards. Okay, so uh, V two is a focus, and I guess token TBD <laughs> down the line. Um, it, this is this is also uh, so fascinating. Um, when when do you think kind of the the like. How do you think the mainstream user comes in? Like, where? How do you see this kind of in in five years? Um, and how does it reach just the, the everyday audience uh, that's not involved in Web three at the moment? I mean, we're pretty far in terms of like the user experience because the user experience can be very optimistic. So you see posted when you post uh, content, you can see that happening right away in the user interface and the blockchain logic can happen in the back end. Meanwhile, where you're scrolling uh, the feed, for example, uh, and if something breaks in that blockchain interactioning, then you um, get a notification uh, to resubmit a transaction, or it can be resubmitted in, in the back end. It can be very optimistic. So it's more about how we manage um, uh, securing, for example, the user keys and part of the Lens uh, protocol version two what we've been um, also thinking about and, and focusing on improving the way we have um, the delegation. So you could delegate your hosting power to a specific address um, and, and with, let's say, certain uh, functions uh, and so So making that uh, easier and easier to generate um, a low transactioning um, address as well for, for the users that don't have uh, Ethereum addresses now just by signing with their emails and 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 and, and making it actually as if you are using like you should be using like a the feeling to use blockchain should be as if you are using any Web two application and just that blockchain logic happens in the back end. So 
that's one thing. And then the interesting applications. So in my opinion, like if folks are building and whoever is building like um, an application, which is kind of like trying to replace Twitter or uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, it's going to be a very hard game uh, because those applications, they already have their social networks. They're quite strong networks. And um, for example, Twitter, they're still innovating. There's some things happening, interesting incremental updates and, and so forth. What's going to take this technology forward is the, the actual use cases and building new applications that are attracting um, interest uh, graphs together. So we have to build something new to win something old. And I think that's the way to go. And just by restructuring and creating like, a, let's say, Web3, Twitter or uh, Facebook, um, isn't going to take us far. It's about actually creating those new parties where people want to go. Oh, I, I love that take. Um, I, I know it's really early, but uh, what are some of the kind of encouraging, kind of innovative uh, applications that you're already seeing that are doing something that's that's different, or maybe it's too early and at this stage we're just kind of replicating what's already out there. That's an interesting take. Like we, like a lot of the things that's been built in hackathons where we got most of the feedback, and I'm super happy that we choose this path. Um, we've seen those, um, we've seen developers actually rebuilding current applications that exist in Web3 uh, into Web2. So there's Lenser, LensTube, and um, and there are actually ways to more of explore the content. I'm quite uh, excited about an, uh, a product called Orb. And Orb is using uh, Lens protocol for the feed. And also the main idea of the application is that you can actually, um, as a non-Web3 user, learn about Web3 and go to different kinds of courses, and then you get rewards as NFTs, and then you can post that achievement on your feed. And at the same time, you can also, um, in your profile, um, add different kinds of portfolios, what you have done before, your achievements, where you worked before, schools, and post them into the feed. And effectively, why this is important is that Many of the Web3 companies are growing quite fast, and we need a lot of talent into the space outside of the Web3 ecosystem, and the learning is a big part of that. So you might have big companies like Coinbase, for example, where you have employees that know every single yield farm and NFT drop to people who might not interact at all with, let's say, ledger hardware wallets. So you have this kind of like a difference differences between Web3 knowledge and experience, and these applications help us to onboard more people and educate and then show them job opportunities as well, um, which actually reflect what they have learned um, and kind of like match the, the talent market as well. And that's just like, in one way, you can say it's, it's better LinkedIn. But when you look at the application, it's actually a way to stay up to date uh, what's happening in the space and learn about the progress as well. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, I know we're, we're over time, I, but this has been fascinating. I'm super excited to see where this all goes. Uh, I'm happy I claimed my, my Lens profile very uh, early on. Um, and just to wrap up, very, very last question. Um, Stani, want to hear your, your thoughts on how, how are you defiant? Well, I think I'm defiant. I'm natively 
defined because um, I care about the the values that uh, we have in the Web3 um, communities. Uh, that's basically uh, approaching and solving problems through a community perspective um, and also staying with the community. So for me, it has been important that over the, over the past years, um, obviously, like I've become more um, uh, excited about new things, but being able to come back all the time and talk about the excitement things has been very valuable to me. And I think defined means being uh, community first, which I really much appreciate. Appreciate. I love it. Okay. Uh, thanks again uh, for coming on the podcast. This has been amazing. And again, super excited uh, to see where, where this goes. But I think a Web3 social media network is so very much uh, needed. Uh, so yeah, excited to see you build it. Amazing. Thank you for having me here and being able to uh, share what Lens is. Of course. Bye.